Greetings, fellow claim professionals. This is Kevin Quinley of Quinley Risk Associates from the Richmond, Virginia area, bringing you our latest installment of the Claims Coach podcast. This is the podcast that delivers tips, tools, and techniques to help great, great claim and risk professionals get even better at managing their claims, their time, their resources, and their careers. Today's topic is Confessions of a Claims Manager, 10 Ways Attorneys Can Avoid Billing Tussles. And this is really directed primarily, though not exclusively, at our friends in the defense bar. You know, some of my best friends are defense attorneys. I say that truthfully, but to a person, almost all of them feel frustrated over insurance company cost pressures. And let's face it, that's an undeniable fact. Insurance companies face huge cost pressures these days to keep expense ratios down. And these cost pressures filter down to claim departments and then filter down to adjusters. And in turn, they also filter down to defense attorneys. You remember the old saying about what rolls downhill? So, How can defense attorneys, whose practices focus on insurance defense and insurance claims, foster improved relationships with adjusters who assign cases and avoid the headaches and hassles of contentious billing issues? So let me offer 10 quick tips from my 30 to 40 years in the trenches of of reviewing and paying legal bills and assigning cases outside counsel. Tip number one, read and follow the carrier's guidelines. Now, at the courtship stage, let's face it, virtually every law firm and attorney insists that they have seen all the guidelines and they will happily adapt to all guidelines. Often, though, this proves to be more lip service than substance. If you take on a new assignment for a carrier, Study those guidelines as you would for a final law school exam. That's tip number one. Number two, avoid block billing. This is a red flag for legal bill auditors. One way to stay off the radar screen of bill auditors is to itemize each billing entry and avoid block billing. Block billing is where you describe sort of a paragraph of activities and then put a bulk time charge next to it, usually to the right. So that is a tripwire. Avoid block billing. Break out each task on a separate line. Number three, show no charge tasks on your bill with the notation N as in Nancy slash C as in Charlie. No charge tasks. There may be certain things like research, or, or tasks or work you've conducted in connection with the case for which, for whatever reason, you don't intend to charge. Could be confer- in-house conferences with other attorneys. Some insurance companies won't pay for those in-house conferences. And I won't go into the rationale for that, but sometimes you still need to, to conference a case in-house. Do what's right and forego the billing for that. But if you have time that you've expended that you have not charged for, include these on the bills. 
so that the insurance adjuster can see that you're handling the case frugally and that you're doing what you can to be prudent stewards of the time and their expense. Number four, proactively revise budgets when case dynamics warrant. To paraphrase a popular car bumper sticker, stuff happens. Now budgets are useful disciplines and more and more insurance companies require them, but obviously they're subject to the caveat that circumstances change that can blow the best litigation plan and budget to smithereens. Litigation is a dynamic environment where factors beyond the defense attorney's control can necessitate additional work that exceeds an outdated budget. So don't wait for the client to ask for a revised budget. Part of your job as an attorney doing insurance work is to scan the horizon for changes in circumstances, changes in the landscape. And when these happen and drive a need for a revised, usually higher, budget, do that revised budget and send it to the carrier with some brief commentary. That's number four. Number five, very simple, quality check all bills before they leave your office. The client or the carrier should not be the one catching billing errors. The client or the carrier or the adjuster should not be your quality control system to spot errors in the bills. Number six, never surprise the bill payer. Before sending out a whopper bill, pick up the phone and speak to the claims handler. Let them know. Say something like, look, Adjuster, Adjuster Jones, the current bill that you're going to get is hefty, and I wanted to prepare you for that and offer some context around it. Maybe there's been additional depositions that the plaintiff has noted. Maybe there's additional document production. Uh, maybe that there's a ton of insured fact witnesses that need to be prepped. But pick up the phone, give them a heads up, and put some context around it. Number seven, provide context for expense accumulation. If the bill is a whopper, recap in your cover letter the factors that drove the significant activity on the case. For example, uh, Adjuster Jones, this billing period was a phase of intense activity due to the following factors. And mention or list those factors, but provide context for the accumulation of expenses, especially if the size of the bill is an outlier. That's number seven. Number eight, make proper introductions before having strangers bill on the claim file. Call the adjuster or the client and say something along the following lines. Look, if you have no objection, I'd like to involve Joe Blow or Jane Blow on part of this case to do the following. I think this will be cost effective because of, and then comment on that. But a red flag for many bill reviewers is the name of an attorney that they know nothing about, that they've never met, billing on the file. Preempt that problem. Number nine, keep an eye on the big picture of the claim and, and the likely case value in the context of your bill. 
What I'm saying here is don't run up a $50,000 legal bill on a case that clearly has a maximum exposure of, say, $25,000. That's what adjusters ruefully call a constructive total loss. So keep an eye on the big picture, your billings vis-a-vis -vis the exposure of the case. Finally, number 10, know thyself. Assess whether you really, really, really want to do insurance defense work. Look, if billing guidelines and bill audits drive you crazy, uh, I get it. If it just is frustrating you, I get it. Maybe consider another line of legal practice. But as long as there, ins there is insurance defense work, there will be issues with regard to billing. The aim of this podcast is to give you 10 practical tips on how to avoid billing friction and maintain good relationships with the insurance carriers for whom you do work. There are lots of other legal specialties, but if you choose to practice in this space, this space being insurance defense, understand that the ecosystem that you operate in is what it is and aim to cheerfully adapt. This is a wine-free zone. So, 10 tips. Adopting these tips don't guarantee that you'll never have friction over your legal bills, but it'll help you get paid faster. And embracing these practices will go far toward getting paid, getting paid promptly, and avoid being delisted from the carrier's approved panel because of billing screw-ups. Look, if you like the content here, please subscribe to the Claims Coach podcast. We're currently on iTunes and, and leave a review. For more information on Quinley Risk Associates and its menu of services, uh, please visit me on the web at www.claimscoach.com or connect with me on Twitter at ClaimsCoach or through LinkedIn or Quinley Risk Associates is on Facebook as well. Hey, thanks for listening. Be sure to check back for future claims and risk management resources from Quinley Risk Associates. Greetings, claim professionals, and welcome to a new episode of the Claims Coach Podcast. This is the podcast that regularly delivers tips, tools, and techniques to help great claim and risk professionals get even better at managing their claims, their time, their resources, and their careers. This week's topic is how to develop a coverage-conscious culture. Say that three times. How, how's that for alliteration? A coverage-conscious culture. Because coverage is so foundational to what claims professionals do. I mean, liability and damages are fun, but if there's no coverage, then you don't pass go, you don't collect $200, and you don't collect coverage proceeds. A lot of claims people are kind of thin on their knowledge of coverage, and it tends to be glossed over, and that can lead to some real serious bad faith danger. So the brief comments here are really directed at claim managers and supervisors on how to develop a culture within the claim department that is focused on coverage, learning about coverage, understanding coverage, having discipline with regard to confirming and investigating coverage, reading the policies, 
keeping current on changes in coverage and legal developments in interpreting coverage. So let's talk about some practical ways. Uh, provide ongoing education and instruction, even to seasoned claim professionals, about coverage issues and the importance of handling them in a thoughtful way. Have new adjusters, as part of their training, review policies and actually apply that language to hypothetical issues. That can be part of your adjuster onboarding process, whether it's new adjusters or lateral hires. Also, make sure that your claims people can grab easily the right policy for the specific claim in an easy, user-friendly manner. Have adjusters, especially new adjusters, not only read actual policies during training, but make sure that that's not the only time that they read policies. Some other thoughts on building a coverage conscious culture. One is to have what I call lunch and learn sessions. You can have guest speakers, could be defense attorneys, could be plaintiff attorneys, could be people in, in building estimates uh, to talk about particular types of policies and coverage issues flowing from them. Uh, like advertising injury claims under the CGL coverage B. Uh, instead of holding a training class uh, or a session for a day and, and, and not considering the skill again, build coverage instruction and skill building into every part of the claim person's environment. For example, you could dispense a coverage learning in small bites, like a, a coverage question of the day that pops up on an adjuster's computer screen when they log in for the day, or a coverage tip of the day when they log on to their computers to boost ongoing instruction and coverage consciousness. You can gamify it. It may take some time. You could develop a, a module, periodic module of insurance coverage jeopardy and take some time in the claim department to have a, have a fun uh, game with regard to coverage situations. You can also grab real-life examples from news headlines uh, and, and discuss the co insurance coverage implications of that. For example, there have been recent sexual harassment claims uh, flowing from the Me Too movement that could trigger coverage under employment practices liability policies. Uh, in San Diego recently, a dental assistant uh, groped a sedated patient. Uh, that patient is suing the dentist. Uh, would that claim be covered under a dentist medical mal or dental malpractice policy? Consider the case of Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky. Uh, he was assaulted and beat up by his next door neighbor with regard to a pile of yard debris that was allegedly left on the wrong side of the property line. Uh, the perpetrator I believe, reached a plea bargain on the criminal aspect, but Rand Paul has filed a civil suit against his neighbor in the assault case. Uh, would the neighbor's homeowner policy provide coverage for a situation like that? Rhetorical question, but it's got some interesting coverage issues. Or the duck boat operator, tragic situation in Missouri. The duck boat operator, it sank during a storm. Uh, 17 passengers were killed. That duck boat operator has been sued for $100 million, okay? This is, this is certainly a situation of insufficient insurance limits, and it's going to pose coverage questions about how to apportion 
the limited insurance proceeds among at least 17 uh, wrongful death cases and, and the people who survived who also have claims. But these types of exercises, drawing from daily headlines, will boost a coverage culture and reinforce a culture of continual coverage consciousness amongst the claim staff. You know, athletes, musicians, artists with so-called, quote, natural gifts actually spend years training and learning from coaches and refining their talents to go beyond their personal status quo and to really be a top-notch adjuster requires similar tutelage, mentoring, and practice. That's where the claims managers, the claims supervisors come in. So as supervisors and managers, you need to create infrastructure support and a supervisory commitment to develop your claim staff as effective coverage analysts. And at review time or periodic coaching sessions, ask employees questions like, what are you doing to deepen your coverage knowledge? Now, the, the answers could be that you've got claims people taking online courses, they could be pursuing CPCU, AIC, ARM uh, classes or designations. There could be in-house training programs. It could be independent reading. It could be self-studying. But the point is periodically reinforce, not just annually during review time, but reinforce through one-on-ones with your staff the importance of each claim professional pursuing deeper knowledge in insurance coverages. Not to overlook the obvious, another tip is to show the dough. You know, like uh, like the refrain in the Jerry Maguire movie, show me the money. Give corporate monetary rewards for completing continuing education programs that focus on coverage mastery. You know, some companies still pay bonuses or cash awards when employees complete a CPCU or related designation. Um, the reward might include sending a designee and uh, his or her spouse to attend a confirmation of, of an event. But it's really tempting for management to view coverage training and continuing education as a frill, an expendable expense that invites budget cuts. But companies in claim management have to view that coverage education as an investment, not just as an expense. So there's some ideas and thoughts about how to weave into the fabric of your claim department a coverage-conscious culture. If you like the content here, please subscribe to the Claims Coach podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. For more information on my practice and my menu of services, please visit me on the web at www.claimscoach.com or connect with me on Twitter. It's at Claims Coach, one word, or through LinkedIn, and Quinley Risk Associates is also on Facebook. So thanks for listening, and be sure to check back for future claims and risk management resources from Quinley Risk Associates.